The Seahawks are officially entering the post-Russell Wilson era, creating a huge hole under center. Could they try to fill that vacancy with another versatile Pro Bowl caliber quarterback? We're going to be diving into some rumors surrounding the Seahawks and Deshaun Watson on our latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Wednesday episode, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. It's been a little over 24 hours since the shocking Russell Wilson trade news broke yesterday. Still trying to digest this deal one day later, but as everybody else is going to have to do that follows the Seahawks, it's time to move on. Got to start looking at who might replace Russell Wilson heading into the 2022 season. So we've got a very QB-centric episode coming your way. There's going to be a lot of those here in coming weeks with that huge hole left behind with Russell Wilson heading to Denver. We're going to check out some of the incoming rookies who might be potential candidates for the Seahawks to draft in April, and we're going to be checking out some rumors circulating regarding the Seahawks and Deshaun Watson. As always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. Before we get to the quarterbacks, Rob, yesterday we got the breaking news right when we were coming on our second podcast for the day that Bobby Wagner was expected to be released by the Seahawks. Well, today Seattle officially made that release public going on their social media, thanking Bobby Wagner for all of his contributions on and off the field. So number 54 with him hitting free agency this early, the Seahawks are doing him a solid. A lot of NFL teams would have dragged this out and that would have prevented Wagner from being able to discuss a potential contract with other teams. Instead, the Seahawks, because this is one of their all-time greats and he's been so great off the field as well. Out of respect to him, they're releasing him a week before free agency. That's going to give him a chance to get a head start and a chance to really maximize the money that he will get with his new team. I would say, though, with him being released at this juncture, the chances of him coming back on a new contract are less than 0.005%. I would think that his time in Seattle is officially over. He certainly feels like that. And, uh, you know, I I think that you could – could describe it as kind of lip service that um you know that that Bobby Wagner was given that extra week to negotiate with other teams because that's that sometimes other NFL teams will do that with their players. But when you are a player who is representing yourself as Bobby Wagner is, then that is legitimate to give him that extra time there. I think that is absolutely a sign of the respect that John Schneider and Pete Carroll have for Bobby Wagner and everything that he did for Seattle. And it's it's unfortunate uh, in a lot of ways that, that this news is coming down on the same day that the Russell Wilson trade went down. I think that it's predictable um, that it all happened on the same day. I mean, clearly Seattle is turning the page. This isn't, it's not just a new chapter. This is a new book, you know, in, in Seahawk history. But at the same time, I think that, you know, just, just listening to the radio on my way home today, Corbin, I, I was listening to all these people who are, you know, just music uh, stations on the radio, for example, who were saying, hey, w- what would you say 
to Russell Wilson as he says goodbye. And nobody even mentioned number 54. And, and what an incredible player that he was. What an incredible man he is. And, and has been that throughout his entire career in Seattle. Uh, it, it's just, it is unfortunate that we focus so much of our attention on the quarterback when we don't recognize some of the other players, and especially a guy who has been as good on and off the field again as Bobby Wagner has been. Just a remarkable player, a guy who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And that's something that John Schneider and Pete Carroll kind of echoed in their official press conference uh, today, just you know, acknowledging that they were going to release him. Um, and again, that, that to me is one of the things. I mean, th there's so many numbers out there who just really, truly explain what a great player that Bobby Wagner was. We've talked about it on, you know, on and on all off season so far. Uh, I think you can kind of see that this was going to be the way that the Seahawks might have to go is they might have to replace uh, Bobby Wagner. At, at the same time, I don't know that anything is going to do him justice until you see his name in the Raptors there in the ring of honor, because that's exactly the caliber of player that he was. This can be such a tough business. And as John Schneider said in his statement, you know, this is an incredibly difficult day for the organization. Anytime that you release a player of this magnitude, a future Hall of Famer, potentially a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best linebackers to ever play the game, and arguably a better human being off the field. Those are not the kind of players that you want to move on from, but the reality is that they could not have that $20.35 million cap hit on their salary cap this year. They simply couldn't, especially when you're going to have a huge dead cap hit from trading Russell Wilson to the Broncos. They needed some salary cap relief. And we'll talk about later in the show one reason why they're maybe going to want that extra $16 million that they get by releasing Bobby Wagner. That's a big chunk of money. And so it's unfortunate that the business side of things has to come out like this. But, you know, you mentioned these guys being released in the same day. I, I think a lot of fans were really shocked by that. But really, I would have been surprised if they wouldn't have done that because it kind of takes a little bit of the attention off of the Russell Wilson trade in the morning. And that takes some flack off the organization from that regard. And the Wagner release was something that we've talked about several times. This was always a possibility because he's an aging player that has shown signs of decline in the field. He's still a very solid football player, but he is not the Bobby Wagner. He was two or three years ago. You look back at his career in retrospect though. What a remarkable story coming into the second round pick an unheralded one at that probably would have been a much bigger name if he could have participated in the combine, but he wasn't on teams radar necessarily a guy that should have been a first round pick comes in, starts right away, 140 tackles, Three interceptions as a rookie helps the Seahawks advance to the divisional round. We know the story. The next year, they advance all the way to the Super Bowl, and they end up getting the victory. Next year after that, they're in the Super Bowl again, fall just short in Arizona against the Patriots. All 10 seasons in Seattle, over 100 tackles. Twice led the league in tackles. Could have been three times if not for an injury late in the year this season, and his teammate Jordan Brooks passing him. He would have had the trifecta. He's one of only three players in NFL history dating back to 1987 when they started counting combined tackles. He's one of only three players with 100 tackles in 10 consecutive seasons. The other two, Ray Lewis, one of the greatest defenders of all time, and London Fletcher, one of the most underrated defenders of all time. That is exclusive company. And ultimately, Rob, he was 
I, I don't want to say that, you know, some might say this is an exaggeration, but he was the first of his kind in terms of a prototypical modern day NFL middle linebacker coming in with incredible sideline to sideline athleticism, coverage ability, blitzing ability, the ability to shoot up to the line of scrimmage and make plays on the run. He could do it all. And those are the kind of linebackers now that you see teams around the league. They are looking for players that emulate that skill set. And there are only so many human beings that can do all those things at 240 to 250 pounds. So again, he has created this prototype. He was the one of one. We've seen some other guys like Roquan Smith come into the league that have very similar skill sets and, and builds. Uh, but Bobby Wagner was such a unique player coming to the league. And really, like Cam Chancellor at strong safety, maybe you could argue Richard Sherman at corner, really changed how other teams were looking for certain types of players at the position. So not just a huge impact guy in Seattle, but he had an impact on how the league operated during his 10 years with this team. I, that's well said. Um, you know, I, I know that from a, a, a talent evaluation, when you were trying to scout players, one of the things that the general managers want is they want you to say, okay, who is he? Who is, who does he remind you of? They want those player comparisons. And for a long time, I, I struggled with ever finding a quarterback who reminded me of, of John Elway, uh, uh, you know, and, and things of that nature, a quarter or a line, middle linebacker that reminded you of Mike Singletary. I think that there's going to be a lot of people who are going to struggle to find a linebacker who reminds them of Bobby Wagner, um, you know, because he did have that incredible uh, combination of size, speed, power. Uh, you know, he he was coming into the league at a time when the NFL was shifting more to the passing game. And so you had to have that speed. And my goodness, what speed he had, you know, when he came out of Utah State, I mean, I was fortunate enough to remember evaluating him against Alabama. And, and I saw the best player on the field was at Utah State. And that was a shocker to me, and, you know, going up against Alabama. And, and then to see him and evaluate him at the Senior Bowl. And, you know, as, as many people have, have mentioned, the fact that he was unable to participate at the Combine itself because he had pneumonia. And then at the Utah State Pro Day at 243 pounds, he ran a 446. Yeah, you know, a 40-inch vertical jump. I mean, just unbelievable numbers that just really demonstrate what an explosive athletic player that he was. He would have been a first-round pick had he been able to participate at the Combine, but how many people are going to go to the Utah State Pro Day? The Seattle Seahawks obviously were one of them. That's why they got one of the great steals in NFL draft history. That's why they, they won the Super Bowl, that, that they did, why they competed in two consecutive Super Bowls, while they won a Super Bowl with the youngest team in NFL history ever to do so. Captains on the defense by number 54, Bobby Wagner. Absolutely unbelievable player. And then again, as you said very appropriately earlier, great player on the field, greater man off the field. And that, to me, is one of the real uh, challenges that Seattle faces now, is that they are going to have to try to develop somebody, draft somebody, you know, maybe sign somebody who is going to be the same kind of caliber of person on and off the field, in the, in the locker room, have, have the same durability. The middle linebacker position, you, you mentioned one of the great players, and you said underrated, and I appreciate that with London Fletcher. But just the fact that he was as durable as he was. The fact that Bobby Wagner was as durable as he was over his entire tenure in Seattle truly is rare at the middle linebacker position. So, 
again, I, I hey, with all due respect to the quarterback, uh, Bobby Wagner deserves his own day in the sun. And I think that that day should be here, March 9th, because absolutely unbelievable player uh, and, and one that, that Seattle is going to miss on and off the field in so many different ways. Obviously, there's going to be a sting for fans. You can see it on social media. I mean, having both these guys jettisoned on the same day, it's arguably the worst day in Seahawks franchise history, and fans are going to be reeling from that for a while. But the good news is it seems like that this separation, they're not necessarily on bad terms. I'm sure Bobby Wagner was not happy about being released. Nobody would be. But uh, he's eventually going to be in Canton. He's eventually going to have the number 54 up in the rafters, Ring of Honor member. I think he's going to be one of the few guys they retire the jersey number. There will not be another guy wearing number 54. I'd be shocked if somebody's wearing that number next year because he is one of those iconic all-time greats. Best of luck to Bobby as he continues his career, and I expect he is going to be a valuable contributor for whoever signs him. A lot of teams I'm anticipating are going to be interested it's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us from all the latest odds contests and player props betterline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info betterline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores podcasts and news this season and it's not just basketball betterline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering informational needs including live betting and your favorite vegas casino games head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action Bet online where the game starts. It's fitting that we're talking about bet online here going into our second segment because now transitioning from Bobby Wagner talk to what do the Seahawks do without Russell Wilson, it's going to be a persistent discussion for us here on Locked on Seahawks for the next several weeks and possibly months as the Seahawks try to move forward with a new quarterback. But bet online today. As expected, release their odds for who is going to be Seattle's week one starter at quarterback, replacing Russell Wilson. And looking at the list, Rob, Drew Locke, who was acquired as part of this deal for Russell Wilson, right now he is the highest odds to be the starter in week one at negative 150 behind him. Malik Willis, five to one. Then Deshaun Watson, we'll be talking more about him here in a little bit, seven to one. Geno Smith, 8-1, to Marcus Mariota, 12-1, to Mitch Trubisky, 12-1, to Jameis Winston, 16-1. to Then we get a couple more incoming players, uh, rookie players, Kenny Pickett and Matt Corral at 16-1, to Jimmy Garoppolo at 20-1, to and Teddy Bridgewater, 20-1. A couple other rookies at the 50-1 to range, Sam Howell as Desmond Ritter. So we've got a number of rookies that are on this list, and I think it's fitting that we look at this rookie group. And we're going to talk about these players a lot because Seattle now has the number nine selection, courtesy of Denver, in the first round. They also have an additional second-round pick at number 40 overall. They have back-to-back selections in the second round. That's going to give them a lot of flexibility in the early rounds to maybe get a quarterback. It's not a draft class that is getting a lot of buzz at the quarterback position. In fact, it's been drawing more comparisons to 2013 than last year's class, which was loaded with quarterback talent. Nonetheless, if the Seahawks are going to try to make this like 2012 all over again, Rob, and they're going to be plugging a rookie into the lineup and trying to build around that player with a strong running game and a strong defense, you know, Russell Wilson wasn't viewed as a great quarterback prospect by a lot of people. That 2012 draft class 
You can argue Russell Wilson was the best quarterback in that group with Andrew Luck's injuries and retiring early. You just never know. One or two of these guys could end up being an absolute stud. Oh, they absolutely could. You know, you, you, you mentioned that 2012 draft class. You know, Andrew Luck went number one. Robert Griffin III went number two. There, there were some quality starters, guys who played an awful lot longer and an awful lot better, frankly, um, that were dropped a lot later. Russell Wilson being one of them, Kirk Cousins being another. And so I think that this draft class, Corbin, is getting a little bit underrated. Now, it is not last year's group. Last yeah. year, we saw five quarterbacks go among the top 15 selections. That's never happened in NFL history. I don't know that there is a quarterback. In fact, I believe personally that there's not a quarterback who should be drafted among the top 15 picks, including should Seattle stay at number nine overall. I don't think that they should take a quarterback at that point. And so if you're going to look at the bet online uh, rankings, then then they're not likely for Seattle to select a quarterback like Malik Willis, who I do think is going to go in the first round. A guy like Kenny Pickett, who, again, I do think is going to go in the first round. Perhaps uh, Matt Corral as well, um, probably going to go in the first round himself. To me, the guys, if we're going to have that conversation about is this a duplication of that 2012 draft class where Seattle, of course, looked at Bruce Irvin in the first round, this looked at Bobby Wagner in the second round, and some guy named Russell Wilson lasted all the way into the third round at number 75 overall and wound up becoming quite the player, obviously, in the NFL. Then to me, some of the quarterbacks who I'm most intrigued by, you just mentioned 50 to one kind of guys with Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, Sam Howell from North Carolina. I, I cannot independently confirm if Seattle has interviewed these guys, had a conversations with them at the senior bowl, had conversations with them at the combine. I promise you that they have evaluated both of these two players because they fit what Seattle likes to do. They are team-first kind of guys, guys who have been in pro-style offenses, guys who have won is one of the biggest factors with them, guys who are dual-threat-capable players as well. I, I think that that is where that, that Seahawks fans should be focusing a little bit more of their attention because these are players that absolutely check off a lot of the boxes that the Seahawks under Pete Carroll and John Schneider have focused on for several years in the past. And we kind of hit on this before Russell Wilson got traded when we were looking at the quarterback group. And I mentioned to you, you know, this might be the year that if the right guy falls into the late first, early second round, John Schneider might trade up and draft him. And we threw Sam Howell's name out there because he does have a big arm. He is a mobile quarterback that had around 800 rushing yards and double-digit rushing touchdowns last year. He had to shoulder a lot of the load at North Carolina because his top two receivers went to the league. His top two running backs went to the league. One of his top tackles went to the league. I mean, he was surrounded by a lot of new players, and it just they weren't able to get that vertical passing game going like they did his 2020 season, and that ultimately led to them having a very disappointing season. But they had to change their offense and be more reliant on the run game, and he was able to adapt to that and really shoulder the load as a ball carrier. And so he checks off those boxes, a lot of the boxes that Seattle's looking for at the quarterback position. He certainly got his flaws. There's some times where his decision-making gets away from him a little bit. There's some times his anticipation is not where it needs to be. But certainly he's a player that would intrigue. And Desmond Ritter, I mean, Cincinnati's one of those programs that they weren't known for being a great football school. And yet the last couple of years with Desmond Ritter leading the way, they became the first non-Power 5 conference team to get to the college football playoff. And 
they had a tough day against Alabama, but they fought tooth and nail with them. It was a competitive game for most of the four quarters. Desmond Ritter is a very solid football player, another really athletic kid. And I think that would be the thing that I would say right now. We're going to have a chance to look at more of these, these guys more in-depth as we go. But every single one of these quarterbacks that is getting first, second-round buzz in this class, they've all got major question marks. But one thing that you can say about all of them, they all bring some mobility to the table. Malik Willis is a phenomenal athlete. Kenny Pickett, watch the clip. I know that they have now outlawed fake slides because of him. But like that type of athleticism, I don't think a lot of people realize what kind of an athlete that Kenny Pickett is. Matt Corral is a fantastic runner. I just talked about Sam Howell and Ritter. All these guys can create with their arm and their legs. And so... It might not be a great draft class for some teams, but the type of quarterbacks that are coming out, it is a good fit for what the Seahawks tend to prefer at the position. It really is. And that's the thing is that that's where I believe that this class is being a little bit underrated at this point. Now, again, as I mentioned before, with the 2021 20, uh, quarterback class, when we saw just a remarkable haul of talent. And, you know, the, the last guy selected in the first round, uh, you know, with, with Mac Jones that wound up uh, pushing his team to the playoffs this past year for the New England Patriots. You know, I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the case this year. I think that you are going to see quarterbacks who are going to get drafted in the late portion of the first round, the second round, the third round, who are going to wind up being the more successful guys. And, and so it, it's not that I think that this quarterback class is terrible. It's not that I think that you can't find a starter, um, perhaps even a, a, a superstar. Uh, in this quarterback class. It just doesn't have the elite top-end talent that we've seen in the past at the quarterback position. I think there are a lot of quarterbacks who have some talent here. You just have to have a plan for them. And that is one of the things that the Seahawks have done a great job of because they are, or at least I expect them to have a better defense next year. I expect them to have a more sound, consistent running game next year. And if you can do that and protect the quarterback like the New England Patriots did a year ago with Mac Jones, then the quarter, young quarterback can come in and be successful. It wasn't just that Russell Wilson was special way back in 2012. It's that the Seahawks actually had a plan for him. Now, granted, he was special. He did earn that job. I don't think that Seattle is anticipating just drafting a quarterback and he is suddenly going to just spring forward and, and be able to lead this team because that's the direction the Seahawks want to go. I, I think that the fact that they did make Drew Locke part of the trade uh, for Russell Wilson, they, they believe in his talent. And let me just say this right off the bat, Corbin. Russell will, or excuse me, uh, Drew Locke, in my opinion, would be quarterback number one in this draft class. His arm, his success against SEC competition, his strong performance in the Senior Bowl, this is a super talented quarterback. It just so happens that he went to Denver, didn't have a great deal of talent around him, didn't have an offensive coach around him, and so he has not made the kind of progress that people expected. But at the same time, talk about just kind of rolling the dice on, on somebody else's money. I mean, that is exactly what Drew Locke is. So I do expect Seattle to use one of their draft picks on a quarterback this year. I would be stunned if they use number nine overall on a quarterback this year. Yeah, I think that we'll be talking about this a lot more, but the best player available, they need to add talent. And there are some really good tackles. There are some really good pass rushers in this class. At pick number nine, I could even see them trading down if they have a couple guys they really like 
and trying to recoup a few extra picks early in the draft so they can really take advantage of a group that I don't think is super top heavy, but has good depth, especially at some positions that are areas of need. And then they can maybe get that quarterback that they want in the second round with those two second round picks that they have, maybe even a third round. Bailey Zappi on day three might be a possibility. I mean, there are some intriguing names in this draft class, but I want to shift gears now because there's a good chance the Seahawks will draft a quarterback, especially after trading Russell Wilson. I think that all of us expect at some point that they will pick somebody from this class and try to groom them. Maybe Drew Locke, they have a, a higher view on than other people. Maybe they think he can come in and be the starter, but they aren't going to stop looking for potential home run acquisitions. And the name that has been thrown around and Deshaun Watson right now, Rob, he's dealing with some major legal issues off the field. And if you've looked at the allegations, he's got 22 lawsuits against him for sexual misconduct. If that sounds bad, you look at the allegations, it's certainly not a good situation. And it's understandable why fans today with me and other reporters out there dishing out some scoop that the Seahawks indeed have some interest in acquiring Deshaun Watson. It's not surprising that a lot of fans are upset or against the idea of trading for him, given what we know, what the accusations that are out there are, but the legal system has not played things out yet. And so he's got his deposition coming up here on Friday there's no denying the talent. If Deshaun Watson is available and he is not charged and you can make that trade for a guy that was a three-time Pro Bowler in his first four seasons, 33 passing touchdowns in 2020, 70% completion rate. Oh, by the way, that was a 4-12 and team. You put him on a better football team, imagine what the numbers are going to look like. This is a bottom line business, whether fans want to hear that or not. You need to win football games. And Pete Carroll and John Schneider, whether you agree with it or not, have never feared bringing in troubled players for a second opportunity. It hasn't always worked out, but then there's players like Marshawn Lynch that it worked out terrifically. So I don't think that they would be against this. From what I've been told, they're very intrigued by the idea of trading for Deshaun Watson. Uh, but there's a lot of moving parts right now, a lot of obstacles to get around before any team can bring him in. There, there are a lot of moving parts, and, and this is a remarkably talented player. I mean, you, you talked about the fact that how successful he's been with the Houston Texans, despite not a lot of talent around him. You just go back to his college days. I mean, he basically put Clemson Tigers on his back and won a national championship. Um, you know, so to me, if Seattle has an opportunity to bring in Deshaun Watson, um, then I think that they have to consider that. Now, I, I'm looking at this from purely a football perspective. I, I don't know all of the different legal ramifications here. I don't I don't pretend to know who Deshaun Watson is as a man, as well as I have watched with my own eyes who Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner are as men. Just going back to what we talked about previously. But from a NFL just talent perspective, there's no question. Deshaun Watson is a, is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, maybe even a top five quarterback, considering his age of 26, maybe even an upgrade from Russell Wilson. And so that to me is what is so fascinating about this, Corbin, is that, you know, Seattle has a chance to actually come out of this, you know, with a quarterback who was younger who is every bit as gifted or perhaps even more so. Um, and, you know, they fleeced the, the Houston Texans before. 
I mean, they, they got Dwayne Brown, and he wound up becoming, you know, obviously one of the, the, the truly best players that Seattle's had on their roster over the last couple of years. Even Javion Clowney, same kind of thing. I mean, a really good football player that Seattle was able to get, and you, you didn't see the, the great deal of consistency from him, obviously, but at the same time, there were flashes of what he could be. There's no flashes with Deshaun Watson. He is that good. He did it for four years in the NFL before all these legal issues. So again, I, I am not going to sit here and pound the table and say that Seattle should make a move for Deshaun Watson, because I don't know how this whole legal process is going to pan out. Also, I think that it is notable or that we need to mention the fact that, that Seattle is now owned by a woman in Jody Allen. And she obviously has the ability to make any type of decision that she wants. And she may be a little bit more sensitive to the, the different challenges that Deshaun Watson is facing off of the field as she should. But at the same time, again, just from a purely NFL evaluation standpoint, Deshaun Watson is a superstar and Pete Carroll and John Schneider are two of the most competitive and frankly, given the what they just gave up in Russell, Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner, well, they didn't have to. They could just sail off into the sunset and allowed their team to wither the way lots of other NFL teams would. And they are looking to compete right now. And so, yes, I fully expect them to be in the mix. That, that's what they've said from the get-go is they are going to be in on every deal. Well, Deshaun Watson potentially being available, then I think that they are going to be an absolute player to see if number three can get replaced by number four. Yeah, that would be such a fascinating move for the Seahawks to make from a football standpoint. And, and again, like you said, I don't want to digress too much into the legal stuff because, you know, I've read several articles and what has been alleged, what he's done. And if he committed those acts, I don't I don't see how any Seahawks fan would want him to be on their team. But I also understand, and I mentioned this, Pete Carroll and John Schneider, they have a history of bringing guys in and giving them a second chance. And this is a league where talent gets opportunities. You get additional chances, whether that's fair or not. There are going to be teams, if he is cleared, if he is not charged in these uh, lawsuits, and there are uh, you know, no chance of jail time, things like that, there are going to be teams that are going to throw their helmets in the ring wanting to trade for him. And that would be teams like Carolina, Pittsburgh today. There were some reports coming out that the Steelers might actually be somewhat close to pulling off a trade. Now, I don't know how accurate those reports are because right now I don't know how anybody could say that they're trying to trade for him with there not being any more clarity in his legal situation. But, I mean, Carolina and Pittsburgh, certainly two teams to watch. Tampa Bay needs to replace Tom Brady. So that would be another team that I would keep a close eye on. Uh, he's from the South, so going to Florida might be very interesting to him. Miami was a team he wanted to go to. From what I've seen, the Dolphins are out of this race at this point. But Washington was a team that was interested. They just traded for Carson Wentz today. So you look at those other teams, like Carolina doesn't have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Noah Fant on its roster. You look at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's got some talent on the outside, but – their offensive line, you could argue, is worse than what Seattle's is. They had major issues protecting Ben Roethlisberger last year. Seattle could pitch a pretty good deal to Watson, who, by the way, has a no-trade clause, and that's really what stands out about all this. The idea that he could throw to Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Noah Fant, D. Eskridge, they've got weapons that other teams that might be in the mix still 
simply aren't going to offer. We know Tampa Bay's got a ton of weapons, but the other thing is Seattle's now got all these draft picks that they just got from trading Russell Wilson, and they've got cap space from dealing Russell Wilson and cutting Bobby Wagner. That's $16 million cutting Wagner. You can put that right into Deshaun Watson, who's going to be a $24.2 million cap charge this year. You can bring him in, and suddenly you've got a top five, top 10 quarterback. You've got two stud receivers, a tight end with a lot of potential with a better quarterback throwing to him, and you still have some money that you can allocate to upgrading your offensive line, upgrading your pass rush. So you can make a lot of arguments in favor of making this trade from a football perspective. It's all going to boil down to are the Seahawks willing to take on the PR challenges that are going to come with signing or trading and signing a player like Deshaun Watson, who's had the major off-field issues that he's had, you know, the, the sexual misconduct allegations. I mean, that is some really heavy stuff that this organization would have to be prepared to answer for if they made this move. And so who knows what's going to happen, but certainly John Schneider, Pete Carroll, they never leave a stone unturned. They're not going to leave this stone unturned. Pete Carroll's 70 going on 71. He wants to win. He doesn't want to rebuild. You have a much better chance of doing that if you have a proven quarterback who is in the prime of his career in his mid-20s then you're going to have, you know, rolling the dice and hoping can Malik Willis or one of these young guys or Drew Locke, who's been borderline terrible most of his time in the NFL, that is a major roll of the dice. You would be getting a proven commodity that can win football games and can be a Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber guy if you trade for Deshaun Watson. So that's why these rumors are out there, and that's why this interest is genuine. I 100% agree with you. Uh, you know, I, I think that... Again, you look at Deshaun Watson, you just see a guy who has the talent to put Seattle or another team over the top. I would mention the Philadelphia Eagles as another club that I, I think that you have to mention. I think that they are intrigued by what they've seen from Jalen Hurts, but the fact that you have an aggressive general manager in Howie Roseman who has three first-round selections at his disposal. But and, Watson and, has and, to want to play there. That That's the thing. Exactly. He has and, He has the same power that Russell Wilson did. I mean, yep. he can and, and, pick and where he wants to go. And, and that's one of the reasons why I think that I, I love that you mentioned what um, what talent that Seattle has on the field. And I think just the the, the environment, um, you know, the, the reality is, is that Seattle is a little bit of a quote unquote softer market. I mean, it's, it's a little bit more forgiving than some of the other communities around the country. Now, as you mentioned, Deshaun Watson kind of grew up in the South, obviously again, had his collegiate days at the, uh, at Clemson, um, you know, so moving to the Pacific Northwest regionally might scare some, I don't know that's going to scare Deshaun Watson, especially considering everything that he's going through. And so again, this is not something that I'm advocating for Seattle to do. I'm just looking at it from a from a scouting perspective. But at the same time, if Seattle feels comfortable with who he is as a man, um, you know, and there's a lot of civil lawsuits out there, it's the fact that there's not as many criminal lawsuits out there. It is was something I think that is also very important. I mean, you know, frankly, I think there's a lot of Seahawks fans out there who don't care that Deshaun Watson, if he is found guilty civilly then, hey, pay what you have to pay. It's the criminal lawsuits. I think that the Seahawks fans would 
a lot of Seahawks fans would be more concerned about the possibility that Deshaun Watson could get traded for, become a member of the Seahawks, and then have to sit out the 2022 season because the NFL decides to levy some type of penalty against him. So if he does not serve a single day in jail, but he has to pay millions of dollars, I think there's a lot of Seahawks fans out there who wouldn't be concerned about that. I think that they're more concerned about if you are going to make this type of splashy move, if you are going to take this kind of public relations hit, can he be able to come in and compete and perhaps be a superstar for you immediately? To me, that is something that, that John Schneider and his security team has to make sure that they feel comfortable about before they're going to be pulling the trigger on any type of trade. Yeah, that is a great point. That was something I pointed out today when I reported this, that the issue at play here is even if he doesn't get charges filed against him or if he's ruled completely innocent in this case, the NFL still has the ability to suspend him even after sitting out all of last year for the Texans. They can suspend him. So if I'm John Schneider, one of the things I'm doing is I'm exploring this trade. I'm getting over to the league office and seeing if I can find out, get, get a sense what that punishment might look like. I don't know if you're going to get full answers from the league because they don't always disclose that kind of stuff to teams. But I would at least try. I would do some exploration. That is the due diligence you've got to do when you're looking into a trade like that. And so that's one of the many storm clouds that is hovering over Deshaun Watson and his future in the NFL right now. If we're just looking from a football standpoint, it would be a home run move for the Seahawks to bring him in with his young age, the the talent he has as a, as a passer and a runner, the three-time pro bowler. I mean, all pro upside. But you have to consider the off-field stuff as well and the repercussions that come with trading for a player like that, how your fan base is going to react. So there are a lot of things that they have to keep in consideration here. But football, it's a bottom-line business. And so, again, I expect the Seahawks, they're going to hang in this as long as Deshaun Watson is available. And they're going to see if they can make a run at him. They've got the draft capital. They've got some talent to potentially lure him to the Pacific Northwest with that no-trade clause. So. They are a team to keep a very close eye on as this, this legal proceeding for Watson unfolds. We will know a lot more about his situation once Friday's events take place. As always, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Now make sure to check out the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out the Locked On Seahawks podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course, five days a week streaming on YouTube. Coming up on Friday, not going to be a show tomorrow with us doing a doubleheader on Tuesday, but we'll be back on Friday. I will be answering your questions in our weekly mailbag segment and continuing our division by division free agency preview with the rugged AFC North. Thanks as always for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.